if South Carolina were to land Notre Dame transfer running back Logan Diggs, they would automatically have their starter at the position for next season. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And before we get into this Monday edition of Locked On Gamecocks, I want to let y'all know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. South Carolina hosted an intriguing visitor on campus this past weekend as Notre Dame transfer running back Logan Diggs came down to Columbia to check out South Carolina's football program. There were some photos that were posted on social media showing Logan Diggs with Shane Beamer inside of Williams Bryce Stadium, seemingly getting his own tour from the Gamecocks head football coach. And when looking at Logan Diggs, the football player, and analyzing his skill set, Logan Diggs is a workman-like running back who could do a little bit of everything at the position. And if he were to come to South Carolina, he would automatically be the Gamecocks' number one running back. A quick summary of Logan Diggs' 2022 stats, and they're pretty doggone good. Diggs had 165 carries for 820 rushing yards, that's 5 yards per carry on average, and 4 rushing touchdowns. He was also a threat in the air for the Fighting Irish, as he caught 10 passes for 210 receiving yards and 2 touchdowns. Unfortunately for South Carolina, one of those touchdowns happened to be, I believe, a 75-yard wheel route in late December. So, yeah, South Carolina found out the hard way. Logan Dix can definitely be a threat in the receiving game. And when going back and watching some of Logan Diggs' film at Notre Dame from this past fall, there was a lot of things that stood out about the rising junior. Logan Diggs possesses above average lateral movement for a running back his size. And Logan Diggs is listed at six foot, 214 pounds, according to his player profile on ESPN.com. Logan Diggs is primarily a guy that is going to use some of his smarts and patience along with his size to get the majority of his yards. He's a smart and patient back who is willing to both run behind his blockers in front of him and also wait for a hole to open up. And he's not afraid to lower his shoulder and run behind his pads to get some extra yards. He can make quick split-second decisions on which gap to run through when he is on some inside run plays, and he's got to make the choice of which gap he is going to run through based on how the defense has played his offensive front. 
Logan Diggs, as I mentioned earlier, is also a guy that could be a weapon for you in the short passing game. This is a guy that can run swing routes out to the flat. He's a guy that can also be a threat on wheel routes deep down the field. He's also somebody that could be a threat on third down especially. Notre Dame seemed to use Logan Diggs a lot in their third down packages, and he ran a lot of angle routes for the Fighting Irish, which is basically a route where you cut right outside the edge of the offensive line and then essentially just cut on a straight line right back to the middle of the field. But Logan Diggs is not just a guy that can run the football and catch the football well. He's also somebody that can act as an extra blocker, as he was used as an extra pass protector a good amount in Notre Dame's offense. And because of his size, again, six foot, 214 pounds, he can handle a quick and seismic blow from an opposing linebacker. He's also got deceiving acceleration, and he possesses good body dexterity to where you're not going to get him down supremely easily if you do not have the proper leverage against him. Some of the things that I really like about Logan Diggs' game, outside the things that I just mentioned, uh, purely, he's a guy that is a big running back who has played big-time college football. And again, that's not to say... That Mario Anderson Jr. cannot be that guy for South Carolina. But obviously, making the jump from Division II football at Newberry College all the way to the SEC at the FBS ranks, it's just not an easy task. And I think that if Logan Dix were to come to South Carolina, this would definitely take some of the pressure off of Mario Anderson Jr.'s plate to sort of be that bell cow type back out of the running back room. Here's the other thing that Gamecock fans should like about Logan Diggs. This is a guy that has played in an offense with pro-style-ish concepts involved. This is a guy that has been in an offense that has used under center formations, an offense that loves to use a lot of play action, and an offense that also uses motion to try to create the best matchups possible for their team. So, Logan Diggs would automatically slide right on into South Carolina's offense and would not have any issue, in my opinion, being a part of Dow Loggins' scheme from the jump. And he's also a guy that, because of his skills, he could do well in both power run plays and zone run plays. Power run plays meaning that the offensive linemen are basically responsible for one guy on the play, and that involves plays like a power run or also a counter, where you're bringing two offensive linemen from one side of the formation to the other side to act as blockers. And then for zone run plays, Logan Diggs has the ball carrier vision and also, most importantly, the patience to run horizontally for a certain amount of time and wait for just the right hole to open up for him to run right on through. So Logan Dix is a guy that can offer some versatility in terms of the run game, but he's also somebody that can do some of the grunt work that maybe some other running backs would not have an easy time doing. He can essentially do almost everything that you want as a running back. And if he were to come to South Carolina, he would be the number one back in this offense from the very beginning. And in my opinion, because of everything I just mentioned, he would offer the most complete skill set at this spot, especially when you also include his size and his blocking and receiving ability out of the backfield. Now, there's been a lot of discussion to this point that LSU's the team to beat 
for Logan Diggs. And while I'm not going to make it out like LSU is not a contender here, I do think that South Carolina should be considered a lot more as the potential team to beat here than people realize. And I'm going to dive into the reasons why I think that's the case in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Later tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Los Angeles Lakers will be taking on the Golden State Warriors in a pivotal Game 4 of the series. The Lakers are currently up two games to one and, according to FanDuel, are three-point favorites, with the money line for the Lakers being set at minus 156. If you think that AD will finally have a back-to-back performance tonight and he and LeBron are going to potentially put the series out of reach for the Warriors, then feel free to put money down on the minus 156 for the Lakers to win outright. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. We cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right. Now, continuing our discussion regarding the portal recruitment of Notre Dame transfer running back Logan Diggs. In terms of Logan Diggs portal recruitment, South Carolina should be considered a legitimate threat to land Logan Diggs. And that's not just because of the fact that he visited them this past weekend, but there's also another factor or two to consider here with South Carolina. To this point, a lot of people have just chalked up the LSU Tigers as the likely destination for Logan Diggs for two primary reasons. Firstly, Logan Diggs is from the state of Louisiana, so it is his home state. And the other thing, if that wasn't enough, is his former head coach at Notre Dame, Brian Kelly is now currently the head coach at LSU. So admittedly, when you think about those two different factors combined, this sounds like it would be a slam dunk for LSU, that they are going to land Logan Diggs without question, right? Well, if you think about this in a different way, there's an argument to be made that not only is it not a guarantee for Diggs to go to LSU, but that South Carolina is the best option for Logan Diggs at the end of the day. To this point, Logan Diggs has visited South Carolina, LSU, and the third team that's currently involved in this poor recruitment is the Ole Miss Rebels. And South Carolina is the best destination out of all three of those schools for one main reason. South Carolina's depth chart is the most appealing heading into this next fall. LSU returns 94.9% of their net rushing yards from this past fall, along with 97.4% of their rushing touchdowns. Needless to say, the running back room plus Jaden Daniels at quarterback 
makes the running game at LSU a little bit crowded for a guy of Logan Diggs' caliber. And for Logan Diggs, if he's looking for playing time and looking to be the lead guy, LSU's probably not the spot for him. That's also the case with the Ole Miss Rebels, who return 67.6% of their net rushing yards from 2022, and that includes Quinshawn Jukins, who, oh, I don't know, happened to be the SEC's leading rusher this past fall, and got double the carries than his counterpart Zachary Evans got last season. South Carolina, compared to both of those programs, returns 32.8% of their net rushing yards from 2022. And as we all know to this point, there doesn't seem to be a guy that sticks out as someone who is more than likely the starting running back for this team at this current moment in time. A lot of nice pieces, but not a guy that can be, again, sort of that bell cow out of the running back room for various reasons. If Logan digs going back home to Louisiana mattered that much. Think about this. Logan Diggs probably would have committed to them when they offered him out of high school. LSU offered Logan Diggs when he was coming out of high school in the 2021 recruiting class. Logan Diggs still went to Notre Dame. If the Brian Kelly factor mattered so much, Then when Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to become LSU's head coach this past season and obviously had a lot going on in terms of the transition, trying to flip certain areas of LSU's roster, it would have made sense for Logan Diggs to go during this past offseason. But he didn't. And here's the other thing. If it was such a slam dunk that LSU was going to get Logan Diggs, from the time he has jumped to the portal, which I believe was back on April the 27th, then he probably would have said, do not contact me. I basically know where I'm going. And as far as I know, that is not the case. And it certainly doesn't seem to be the case if Logan Diggs is entertaining programs like Ole Miss and South Carolina. So bottom line If someone's telling you LSU is going to be where he ends up at the end of the day, don't even think that y'all have a chance here. I just think personally that is a very invalid argument here. I think that South Carolina actually has a lot going for them. And here's the other thing. Logan Dix played against South Carolina in the bowl game. Now, South Carolina's defense obviously did not have its best day. South Carolina also did not have exactly all of its players available to them like they had earlier on in the season. So, you would have to imagine, that would have been a game where Logan Dix could have gotten a really good impression of what this team's culture is like, what the program is like at this moment in time. And South Carolina, while yes, they lost the game in the end to Notre Dame, They fought tooth and nail to try to, of course, pull out the victory at the end. And sometimes when it comes to little things like that, guys in today's era who are entering the transfer portal and could eventually look at your program, they notice stuff like that. You think about the men's basketball front. Miles Stute, who went from Vanderbilt to South Carolina, one of the things that he said when he committed was he noticed how hard this team played. And what Lamont Paris was doing, despite the obvious lack of 
depth and roster flexibility that he was dealing with, honestly, the lack of personnel he had in year one. Logan Diggs, maybe not to that same extent, could be having the same thought about South Carolina after having played against them in the Gator Bowl. So again, bottom line, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he's going to go to LSU. And if anything, South Carolina needs to be considered right up there on the same level as the LSU Tigers when it comes to Logan Diggs' portal recruitment. All right, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's show. Whether you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app or tuning in on YouTube, if you want to become an everydayer of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, then be sure to give us a follow wherever you get your audio podcast daily or subscribe and click the bell on YouTube. All right, now let's switch gears to uh, a topic that's not going to be as much fun to discuss on today's show. And that is South Carolina's baseball team who right now, to say that they're on a really bad skid would probably be an understatement. Uh, This team, in my opinion, folks, is reaching a fork in the road at this moment in time. Now, I have seen some people who are starting to come out of the woodwork on social media, online in general, people who are saying that Mark Kingston needs to be heavily scrutinized once again. I think that that's a little bit far-fetched. I think that you cannot forget what they've done before this recent stretch. They swept the number three team in the country just two weeks ago in the Florida Gators to get up to number three in the nation and hadn't lost a series to any team until the Auburn series. So let's not lose sight of all that. But it is absolutely fair to say right now that this team is not playing well. Now, obviously, you look at the injuries, and you can see why the batting lineup is in a complete and total funk. Why fielding is not as crisp. Because you have people like third baseman Tomach Lecroy, shortstop Raylan Wimmer, and second baseman Will McGillis all out right now with injuries. Now, apparently, they all could come back this next weekend, according to what Mark Kingston said after the Game 3 loss to the Kentucky Wildcats on Sunday afternoon. But at this point, obviously, um, it's up in the air, it seems like. And it has been for several weeks. So there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Will Tippett, it seems like he's been playing hurt. It was mentioned on the broadcast on Sunday by, I believe, Kyle Peterson that Will Tippett has apparently been dealing with a hand issue recently. And the reason he's probably playing right now is because, quite frankly, the Gamecocks just don't have any more depth for their infield. They're at the point where outfielders will have to start going into the infield if any more guys go down. I know Michael Braswell has gotten dinged up in a game or two recently. Gavin Casas has obviously been dealing with some injuries recently, some really bad luck in this department. Catcher Jonathan French went from catching once every five, six, seven games to I think he's caught now probably the last four, five, six games. And at a certain point, that's going to probably catch up to him. Relief pitcher Eli Jerzenbeck had to leave the game on Sunday. Really hope that it's not serious, but with the look on his face and everything, um... It, does, it didn't look good. And it's not good for South Carolina because as I'm going to discuss in a moment, their pitching staff has been horrific lately. And Eli Jerzenbeck had probably the best couple innings that Gamecock fans had seen in several games on Sunday afternoon and looked like he could have maybe had a chance for a bigger spot this next weekend with the way he was pitching. And apparently, closing pitcher Chris Feach, he also was hurt this weekend. 
Tommy Moody said that on the radio for 107.5 The Game, which is the radio-tied station to South Carolina Athletics. So, injuries have obviously just completely derailed South Carolina's infield and now are starting to have a bigger impact on their pitching staff. But the pitching staff, they cannot point to injuries like the infield can. I'm going to list off the stats for the pitching staff for the past six SEC games they've played. And I'm just going to tell you, you might want to shield your kids' eyes because uh, these stats are not for the faint of heart. 71 hits given up. 50 earned runs given up. 24 walks issued. 5 wild pitches. And 10 batters hit. That is awful. It is absolutely incredulous what has happened the last two weekends. I don't know what to say about the pitching staff right now. They were phenomenal to start the year and were pretty good throughout the season, aside from obviously the occasional game where maybe they just had a down game, which is going to happen because it's baseball. And then the Vanderbilt series happened. And that was the first weekend the whole season. Sapcon did lose that series, so I'm actually wrong about their first series loss, that was against Vanderbilt. But that series was the first time where I sat there and said, this pitching staff is just not playing good right now. And besides the Florida series, which I believe was right after the Vanderbilt series, ever since then, this pitching staff, it has not been the same. It just has not been the same. They're having a very tough time having just clean innings, where they're getting guys out one, two, three, and moving back on to the dugout. The Florida series... They issued a lot of walks. They let a lot of leadoff batters at the start of half innings reach base and quite frankly bailed themselves out a ton that series. We're probably more fortunate looking back in hindsight than we originally realized. But the last two weeks, Auburn and Kentucky, they have just demolished this pitching staff. A pitching staff that from top to bottom going into the season People were thinking, this is the group that could help lead this team back to Omaha on a deep postseason run, period. And that is not the case right now. Now, there are a couple things that could be happening with this pitching step. One, who knows? Maybe the pressure is getting to them. Maybe the fact that all these guys are getting hurt is making these pitchers feel like that they have to go out there and they have to have near-perfect outings. You could totally see how that might be happening here in this moment but at the same time it's every single pitcher and that's the weird part there's not really any pitcher outside of Eli Jerzebeck on Sunday that pitched well this past weekend the other thing that could be happening is maybe also related to the injuries maybe the pitching staff's having a feeling of deja vu last year it was the pitching staff that was snake bit with injuries and so the batting lineup and the fielders probably felt like that they had to carry the load Every single game. And Safcon starting pitchers. Because if they didn't, then they probably were going to lose the game. Maybe now the pitching staff is feeling that this time around. Because of what's happened to Safcon's infield, which has messed up the rhythm of their fielding. And obviously has had an impact in the batting lineup. So maybe that could be happening here with these guys at this current moment. We don't know. Obviously, the only guys that truly know right now are those players on this team and the coaches and everybody in that locker room. 
So, I do think this pitching staff can correct all these issues and get back to form and get back to doing what they were doing just a few weeks ago. But at this current moment, anybody can beat South Carolina with the way this pitching staff is performing right now. I mean anybody. Because you're not going to get maybe five-plus runs a game from this batting line right now. And again, that is not all their fault. They're dealing with a lot of bad external circumstances at this moment. And yes, Petri, Comasin, and Gavin Costas, you can probably say, maybe those guys should be doing a little bit more as of late. They've had a couple good games, but maybe they haven't been doing enough being back-to-back in the starting lineup. But still, this pitching staff, they have to rise to the occasion. And right now, they're not doing that. Now, here's the other thing. I have seen some people who have said with this baseball team that, hey, there's no need to be alarmed right now, despite what all's happening. Saying, you know, it's baseball. Sometimes teams just get in a funk. They hit a slump. It happens. And what if this team gets fully healthy again or gets close to fully healthy once they get into the postseason? Then things will be okay. We'll have all our guys back. I do not think that we can sit here and say that. Because you got to think about this. I mentioned timing and rhythm with the fielding. I mentioned sort of being in sync in terms of the batting lineup. Y'all, players do not just come back from injury, especially from a long sabbatical or layoff, and just go right back to what they were doing before. That just does not happen. And I think that baseball is especially a sport where you cannot just expect a guy to go back into the lineup, much less three or four guys, and all of a sudden things are just right back to where they were like a month and a half ago. I don't think you can bank on that. And I know obviously it's not a lot of Gamecock fans, but I've seen a faction of Gamecock fans who seem to just believe that once these guys come back, everything is going to be fine. You can't assume that. And when postseason play comes around, here's the problem. You're not going to face a single pitching staff that is bad in the postseason. Every pitching staff has got a couple of good arms at least. And so right now, I would be worried about this team. Thankfully, this team has built up enough of a cushion in terms of the resume to where they could probably lose the next two series and probably still host a regional. But right now, for a top eight national seed to where they could host that and a super regional, you can kiss that goodbye. At this point... They need to just make sure that they do not completely implode to end this season and maintain a regional host site. So that way, they can still have home games because gosh knows they need the fans behind them right now more than ever. And maybe this pitching staff can figure some things out. And yes, you can get some guys back in the lineup and with some added practice time and again, being in the confines of your own home ballpark, you could see them gel again, at a quicker pace than they would if they had to go to another team's venue. But there is a fork in the road that this team is approaching very quickly. And the thing that's scary right now is there's multiple factors working against them. The pitching staff, again, collectively, just not doing good enough. Injuries right now, you cannot control that. So, um... I don't know. Maybe wrap up the rest of these guys in bubble wrap and tell them don't do anything outside of going to class and going to the ballpark. Literally, do, I mean, don't don't go out to five points. Don't go out to, you know, do any recreational stuff like skate. Don't do anything. Just literally 
go home, go to class, go to the ballpark. Besides that, I really don't know what else this coaching staff can do right now. Um, so, yeah. Hopefully South Carolina can figure things out on the baseball diamond because it would be a shame if this entire season were to get derailed at the very end after what all this team has accomplished up to this point. With that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are y'all's thoughts on Logan Diggs? Do you think he would be the automatic number one starter for this team? Do you think the Gamecocks have a much better shot than maybe people are giving them credit for? And also, what are your overall thoughts on this baseball team right now? Where do you think they're currently at? Do you think that they're at a fork-in-the-road moment? Let me know your thoughts on all of those topics down below in the comments section. If you watch today's show on YouTube or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, shoot me a direct message on Twitter at alion underscore sc. You can also now follow the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast on Facebook. And once again, thank y'all so much for making us your first listen or watch here today. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. And I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast.